What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome. I am Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management and the Frank M. Engel Distinguished Chair of Financial Security Research at the American College of Financial Services. And I'm here with David Blanchett. Hey, I'm David Blanchett. I'm the head of retirement research for Morningstar Investment Management and an adjunct professor of wealth management at the American College of Financial Services. Thank you very much, David. So you had a presentation at an important industry conference on retirement. And the topic of your presentation was retirement replacement rates. And I think this is one of those topics that financial advisors just sort of assume that they should use one replacement rate. But I think not a whole lot of research or a lot of thought has been given to this idea of what a replacement rate should be for a retiree. Why don't you take us through some of the points that you made in that presentation and maybe why that differs from conventional wisdom a little bit? Sure. So, you know, taking a step back, right, what is a replacement rate? Well, if you run a financial plan and you're 35 years old or 50 years old, you've got to figure out how much you're going to spend when you retire, right? And a, kind of, a common rule of thumb is to say, well, you're going to spend between 70 and 80% of your take-home pay when you retire at some point in time in the future. And, you know, I think that replacement rates kind of get a bad rap among academics. A lot of people that don't do financial planning hate them. But you have to have a starting place, right? You've got to have a guess about what someone needs to spend when they retire. And I've always said that the, the best guess for retirement spending or consumption of retirement is what someone wants to spend. But the, I think the problem is, is that when you're 20 or 30 years away from retirement, you have no idea what you'll be spending when you actually get there. And so I think that replacement rates are this kind of first approximation that we use in financial plans when you don't have more information about someone. Now, that being said, you know, the closer you get to retirement, the more you should have a better sense of what you want to have in terms of income. And you should use that in a financial plan versus, you know, a rule of thumb, like 70% of your estimated final year pay. So David, in your presentation, you have access to a lot of these data on spending among retirees and even paths of incomes for workers. What insight can you provide? Yeah, so I think one one problem with research that, that kind of dogs replacement rates is it's always focused on, you know, like what do people actually end up spending when they retire? And I would argue that that's not the best goal because what you want to know is what people actually want to spend when they retire. And I think the question really is, is do replacement rates do a good job of approximating someone's aspirational retirement goal. And to your point, you know, I have data from lots of sources. I've got data from financial planning software tools. I've got data from online robo tools. And what you see is not surprising is that replacement rates actually do a pretty good job of estimating what someone wants to spend when they retire. Now, anyone that's done a financial plan knows that what you want to spend and what you can spend are two very different things. But high level, what, what the research suggests, or at least my analysis suggests, is that replacement rates actually do a pretty good job of estimating what someone would tell you they want to spend if they actually engaged with you. When you say replacement rates, what do you mean? I think, you know, like a, a high level heuristic is like, we'll call it 75-ish percent of your final take-home pay. And if people ask, well, why is it not 100%? Well, the goal is actually to estimate what your take-home pay is and make it the same level when you retire. So, you know, it's not 100% because certain taxes go away when you're 
uh, working, like you're no longer paying Social Security tax. Your overall tax rate tends to be lower when you retire because you've got more tax favored income. And so really the goal behind replacement rates in general is to assume that your lifestyle stays the same when you retire. And does it? It does on average. And so, I mean, I think that if you look at how consumption evolves in retirement, it, you know, it, it tends to be pretty sticky. It can change dramatically, actually, at the individual household level. So if you look at data, uh, like the health and retirement study, you can see just these massive changes. But I mean, consumption, you know, when you first retire, tends to be pretty sticky, but it does evolve very differently for different households as they move through retirement. Well, as an economist, my impression is, well, wait a minute, you know, we, we know the tax rates increase as your income goes up. So marginal tax rates are progressive. We know that people who earn more save more. So that's mm -hmm. money that they're not spending in the first place. So you would expect that if you want to maintain the same lifestyle that you had before retirement, someone in a higher income group is going to need a lower percentage replacement of their gross income. Right. So to me, like that's like the next level replacement rate. So I think that, you know, a lot of companies that do replacement rates just do, they just use a single number for everyone. Well, like at Morningstar, where we're doing this within our defined contribution environment, we're actually estimating for each person what their take-home pay is pre-retirement and then targeting that post-retirement. And what happens then is you have huge differences for individuals based upon their income level, their savings rate, things like that. So I think you definitely can personalize it more. And if you do that, what you find to your point is that you have replacement rates that vary from 50% to over 100% based upon someone's income saving level, where they derive their income, how they've saved for retirement and all that. So you say 50% to over 100%. Most clients of financial advisors are going to be at the higher end of income, right. which means that they're probably going to be a little bit closer to that 50% range say you have a client who is you know part of a couple that's making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year is it reasonable to expect that they need to replace 70 75 percent of their gross income or is it more reasonable to expect that they're going to replace maybe 50 percent of their income because i know a lot of the research that's been done shows that the actual spending for many people who are making that kind of income is actually pretty close to 50 55 percent a big question there is like, what are you spending money on and how will that change in retirement? You know, when you, if you pay off your house, if you, if you, you're paying for kids to go to school, a lot of that could go away when you retire. So to your point, you know, the higher your income is, the lower your replacement rate is on average. So to your point, if you're making $10,000 a year, it's usually around 100% is your replacement rate. If you're making, you know, a half million dollars a year, it's closer to 50%. And, you know, that's obviously important because, you know, targeting, if you use one number for everyone, say 75%, that's a lot bigger retirement goal than if you're targeting, say, 50% upon retirement. Because, you know, if you think, oh, it's just 50% or a third less, it's actually not because you're going to get a third of that from Social Security. So you could literally reduce someone's required spending level by half, moving from 75% to 50%. Good point, David. Let's take a break for a moment. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. The American College of Financial Services proudly supports the next generation of financial professionals and leaders. I'm Ross Riskin, head of the college's next-gen advisory task force. And if you're looking for important and timely knowledge on financial planning, career building, networking, and more for next-gen advisors and those working with next-gen clients, then tune into our Next Gen in 10 podcast.
Subscribe and listen to all our episodes at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Let's get back to our conversation. We did a paper a few years ago uh, where we estimate how a low return environment is going to affect the amount of money that, that people need to save these days. One of the things that we found in that paper, which I think was is something that a lot of financial advisors don't necessarily think about when they're making these recommendations, and that is that the more you save, the less you have to replace. You actually have this double effect of increased savings rate in that if you're already saving it in the first place, that's not money that you're actually spending on a lifestyle. That's why like when we do the projections for individuals in our like online robo tools, we consider really it's, it's primarily income and savings rate because to your point, if you're saving 20% of your income, then not only are you putting money away, but it's not money that you're actually going to spend in retirement. And you know, you mentioned our research on the impact of low bond yields. I love to point out, you know, we did a paper on safe withdrawal rates, but it was like eight years ago. And I loved at the time people were like, you know, this this is just a one-time anomaly. And when rates rise again, this research isn't all that realistic. Well, you know, rates are lower today than they were eight years ago, and they could keep going down. And so I think that, you know, considering the impact of low bond yield is important, but it's going to dramatically increase the cost of retirement. And so, you know, if you're incorporating those into a financial plan, and you're not also thinking about, well, how do I better think about the retirement liability, you're going to end up with some really, really, really high savings rates that a lot of people might kind of, you know, shy away from or, or be afraid of. I think one of the points that also we need to make is that for an average household, it's really social security that's going to be replacing a big chunk of their income. But for these higher income households, they have to replace it with investments. And social security rises with inflation, but a nominal investment in a bond is not necessarily going to rise with inflation unless you're investing in, for example, tips. So talk to us about whether or not you feel comfortable with a replacement rate that is in nominal terms as opposed to real after inflation terms. From my perspective, a replacement rate is really kind of the required need at, at time zero. You know, if you look at metrics like funded ratio or, you know, I was, in, I was just talking about what's called the living standards replacement rate. You know, we all have to make assumptions about how the, the spending evolves in retirement. And to me, that, that's kind of disjoint from what the target need is in year one. I think one thing that, that, that is important to think about is the fact that spending doesn't tend to increase every year with inflation, especially if you're a household that has a large percentage of your spending in more discretionary items. And so those higher income households do tend to spend less over time because there's stuff that they're buying they don't have to have. And I guess on average, they find that they kind of want it or need it less as they move through retirement. Now, that's a good point, something we haven't talked about yet. And that is the percentage of the amount of money that you're spending every month in retirement on categories that are fixed expenses, inflexible expenses, the needs, and the percent that you're spending on the wants, the more flexible types of spending categories. And one of the things you'd identified, and I know we've looked at this data before in the consumer expenditure survey, actually a surprisingly high percentage of the stuff that you spend money on in retirement is fixed and inflexible. And you know, we've argued that it doesn't make sense to take a lot of risk to fund these sort of essential fixed expenses in retirement. You have to be flexible when it comes to your spending in order to take more risk. It's a point we've made in the podcast before. What percentage of expenses do you think are truly fixed and what are variable and does that change by income? 
So what is it? What is the expression like in the long term? Everyone's dead. In the long term, every expense is flexible, right? I mean, if you have to cut back, you can cut back. But I mean, if you look at the different buckets of expenditures, I mean, I would estimate that like seventy to eighty percent of most most households' expenditures are relatively fixed in nature. It's things that they really, really value. And so, to me, you know, we talked about this as well before, but it really kind of speaks to the value of having that kind of base floor of guaranteed income because you don't want to be in a spot. 20 or 30 years from now where you can't afford to pay a mortgage or food because your portfolio has gone broke. Right. And it's also why those lower income households are kind of in a better position because they have a greater percentage of their spending replaced by essentially a government annuity that is inflation protected. Of course, it's bankrupt, but it is is quite valuable. It's negative. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're all going to rely on it in, in retirement. But it does mean that if you're in a higher income category, you've got to be, I think, a little bit more conscious of how much you're actually spending on variable categories and how to match your investment strategy to how much you're really spending. But I think the bottom line is that if you're making more money, the replacement rate is probably not going to be 70 or 75%. So most clients of financial advisors are going to have a replacement rate that's lower than that. The more they spend, the lower their lifestyle is. So the less that they're actually going to have to replace and at least be aware of the percentage of a retiree's budget that is in fixed and more flexible expenses, because that'll help you design an investment strategy that is more appropriate for the lifestyle of that retiree. Yeah. I mean, my final comment would be that, you know, the the title of my presentation was replacement rates are the right kind of wrong. By definition, they're just an approximation. I think that to your point, it's really important to understand what you're going to spend money on, how that's going to change, and then base a plan off that, not just, you know, a very simple rule of thumb that you use for everyone. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, David. Great discussion. Join us again next time. Sounds great. See y'all. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services.